Talk Zone presents Two Guys and a Mic, your mid-morning break sports talk show. It's a passionate yet lighthearted look at the world of sports, featuring the coach, John Cohn, and the big dog, Joel Radwanski. They'll recap the games from yesterday, look ahead to the matchups tonight, and cover a lot more in between. Now, Two Guys and a Mic on TalkZone.com. Welcome, everybody, two guys at a mic show. Indeed, sports talk and more here on the talkzone.com. Thank you so much for joining us. Beautiful, if not slightly cold, autumnal Tuesday here in the fine city of Chicago. Bears! 4 and 1 Chicago Bears. Thank you very much. College football on the DACA. We didn't get to some of the games from over the weekend yesterday. We'll bring up college football. We got some interesting news and notes. Five full. One, two, three, four, five. Right down the line. News and notes, titillating tidbits on NFL football. And we'll get into a few other topics as well. Jump off the sports page. Big Dog and a Coach at your service right up until 11 o'clock. A little bit of music and then we'll kick off. Or punt for the 38-yard line. Thank you very much. Playing the tunes on the other side of the glassola. Producer extraordinaire, the man who's been with us solid for the two-plus years that we've been on the program, David Olson, doing a phenomenal job. And uh, the man who has been my co-host for those two-plus years, much to his pain and chagrin, I'm sure. But certainly, at least a few times during those two and a half years, there must have been some uptime, some pleasant times, some good memories. Maybe he'll write a book some point. It is my good friend, the big dog, Joel Redwanski. Big dog, how are you? I'm, I'm, I'm doing all right. There's definitely much more of a chagrin than a grin. A, sh- <laughs> a chagrin over a grin. If you write the book, though, if the big dog book is going to be written sometime down the road, you got to save at least a half a chapter for me, at least one excerpt, and please don't make it a tell-all. Well, I, there's... What can I possibly tell wrong about you, Coach? What have you done that was either wrong or interesting in the last 10 years? Wow. Firing. Trying to paint me off as uh, Mr. Vanilla here, huh? Yeah. you got to hang around with me more often, Big Dog. There's, there's a little more controversy than you uh, might understand. Okay. Good, good. I'll, I, I, was, I was just giving you a hard time here. I, yeah. yeah. Thank you very much. By the way, yesterday you were in... Uh, a rare moment in time back in the auspices in Aurora, Illinois. Are you back in the fine downtown city of Chicago at this point? Yeah, I'm assuming I'm going to have to hopefully work this week. I don't know if I'm going to get to because of the of, of the frigid temperatures, but just in case, uh, I am back in the downtown area. Plus, I'm close to the lily, the lilac over here, and it makes me a little bit happier waking up next to her as opposed to waking up next to my dog, Ashley, which for some reason uh, <laughs> yeah. all of a sudden likes me now that I'm never home. Uh, the United Nations that is the big dog's palatial estates out in Aurora, but uh, I'm glad you are more safely enclosed into it. It's Chinatown is where you are right now, right? Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. it's Chinatown. Oh, and by the way, I will not be on Thursday's program because what? I am I am the new uh, head of, not head, I'm the new uh, Chinatown tour guide. Really? Someone from uh, Chinatown realized uh, how prolific I am at, at telling stories mm-hmm. and teaching people the history of the city of Chicago. You wouldn't know that because you never came down and did my tour. But, uh, yeah, this Thursday it starts, Coach. 
So is this a possible uh, winter gig where you, you know, once the, the Chicago River freezes over, is it possible? The Chicago you... River doesn't freeze over. I was using the term veritably. Are you uh, possibly uh, you could be the winter guide to tourists in the Chinatown area? Yeah, exactly, Coach. Outstanding. And, uh, yeah, and I'm going I'm to tell you straight up, on my tours, I never really mention tips, but yet I usually make about uh, about fifty dollars in tips after every one of my tours. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to mention it at the. Let's just say I'm not making quite the amount of money I'm making as a tour guide on the river, so this is much lower paying. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to straight up say uh, I live off the of tips. There'll be like one person there, and they're going to look at me and be like, seriously, here's five. I'm like, really? That's all you got? Mm-hmm. I'm going to actually, I've always wanted to become a jerk. And well, I've never been able to do it. And I think it would really do uh, my productivity productivity really, really, really well if I turn into some type of jerk. So I'm going to try in this off season, see if it helps. Add a little jerkism to the persona. I don't know if I can recommend that, but I will tell you, I've been on... A few tours over the years where I remember the tour guide pretty, uh, you know, blatantly, honestly, but not in an unlikable or jerkable way, explain that the primary part of his salary is is tips. So, you know, please be as kind as you can as you depart or at the end of the tour. I think if you say it in the right way, Big Dog, the jerkability will go down. And actually, if you bring up the nice ability, I think you can actually come away with some good tips. Yeah, whenever I have the good tip joke when uh, I'm doing the tour, everybody, like all my coworkers, just freaking love it because, you know, we'll get like two, $300 in tips if uh-huh. I say it right. Yeah. If it doesn't work out and people don't get it, we get like 18 bucks in tips. And then I'd usually share it with the guys. I'm like, yeah, whatever, you didn't even lift any boats today. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I have to figure out a way to gently stroke the person without pushing them over. Well, if you gently stroke the person, you can probably get a, a, you know, really good tips. That's what I'm talking about, Coach. Yeah, exactly. But uh, let's let's keep it to the Chinatown tours, uh, please. And by, by the way, did you or are you aware of the semi-major, I don't know, renovations, but um, overhaul of the Chicago River that Rahm Emanuel in the city of Chicago is proposing? They still need to find the budget, but uh, definitely building up the tourist factor of the Chicago River, Big Doug, is that... Good, bad, indifferent, or are you not even aware that that has been proposed? It's a recent. I'm, I'm, I'm very aware of it, and uh, it's, it's going to be the same. We're the busiest company in the in the city of Chicago. We can't. We have to buy more kayaks. So I really don't know. I guess the only way right now is it can only hurt our business because we don't have any seats for our tours available until after Labor Day every year. So, mm-hmm. and that's pretty much our plan. So, uh, I, I have. I, I, I saw them like six months ago. They're truly incredible. To have a pool leaning out over Wacker Drive that is glass and see-through, so you can literally be paddling a kayak and look up and see a pool above you. Yeah. that you get A glass pool that you can see in. I don't know how much that pool, the pool's going to cost the city of Chicago, like $100 million. I'm not sure I heard that part of it. I saw the plans. It was in Chicago's Sunday Tribune, and they're going to build, I know, like little boat houses or little houses along the way where you can rent rowboats, rent canoes, rent, uh, you know, so they want a lot more traffic on the Chicago River. I think that'd be kind of cool. Uh, one of my concerns is I hope they don't turn it into, you know, another Navy pier. I don't want it to become too touristy. So, you know, I, I thought the plans were yeah, good, but I had some mind. minor concerns. Either, either you want to make money or you don't. 
Well, uh, it just cracks me up. Anybody that gets into a freaking canoe in the Chicago River, you get what you deserve, and that will be flipping your canoe and trying to get back in that son of a bitch. Just, that's, a canoe on the Chicago River is as dumb as any vessel that you could possibly. You're better off being in a, a, a wakeboard, a waveboard. Well, kidding. maybe, uh, I, but, I, but I know a big part of Rahm Emanuel's plan is to increase the traffic on the Chicago River and have these little huts, I believe he's calling them, boat huts, where people can rent. Now, maybe it's not canoes, maybe it's a kayak, but he wants more people to go out and just, you know, rent a particular merino instrument and, and go up and down the river and create the traffic that way. Obviously, it'll be a well, moneymaker, too. Well, I guess why doesn't Rob Emanuel just be like, hey, there's already four kayak companies on the Chicago River. People need to go out there and start frequenting these businesses. No, instead, he, he wants to uh, get one of his good friends a good deal and probably get the spot at Wolf Point or something like mm-hmm. that. As that's, that's what's going to end up happening. Right. And then you're probably right. We will end up getting screwed in the long run for it because right. we're not in it as one of Rob Emanuel's friends. Okay. Well, it's down the road, and the budget hasn't passed yet, so no reason to panic, and it certainly won't affect your burgeoning, soon-to-be-lucrative uh, winter job as the uh, number one tour guide of the Chinatown area. Right? You may laugh, but I think it's an easy job. Oh, my goodness. I just walk around. Yeah. At uh, this Ping Tong Park. You probably don't even know where Ping Tong Park is, do you, Coach? It's the nicest uh, park in all of who? the city. Ping Tong Park? Ping Tong Park. Ah. I thought there was like an... the city of Chicago. There's not even a, a question. I've been to hundreds of Chicago parks. It's by far the finest of all of them. Better That's than you downtown too. It's freaking great. Interesting. I have to check that out. Uh huh. Have to check that out. All right. Now that we got that out of the way, big dog, uh, let's get the program off and running, my friend. Great to have you back on beautiful Tuesday here in the fine city of Chicago. We got some interesting NFL little tidbits but we didn't get to college football at all yesterday and uh on our facebook page we did advertise that we'd kick it off with a little college football today by the way just as a teaser i started looking at matchups for next weekend uh-huh. south carolina my friend south carolina seven o'clock saturday night at l s u yeah wow yes wow uh oh. that's what that's what kind of made the I, Georgia and South Carolina are, are rivals, but I was looking at South Carolina's game last week, and I liked them against uh, I liked them against uh, Georgia. I was worried Crushed to them. take I was worried to take the Georgia game because I'm like they're playing LSU the next week, and I hate taking teams that have a huge game the week after. They tend to overlook that. <laughs> if South Carolina overlooked Georgia, coach, in that game last week, they're going to beat LSU by a hundred. <laughs> that is one focused team. And you know I'm always about uh, you got to figure out whether the team has a, a a leader at quarterback, a solid running game, and if they have a great defensive line. So those teams have those three things are a good team. I had South an... Carolina's defensive line is the best in the country. It's even better than LSU's. It's better than Alabama's. South did... Carolina coach. I had a little inside uh, South Carolina info from uh, someone whose kid is going to South Carolina. There's not many South Carolinians university. Academias uh, from the Chicago area, Big Dog, is not exactly a great pipeline. But this particular kid uh, goes to South Carolina, very much into the sports program. Female, by the way. But she's totally into the sport. Bottom line is the uh, the story behind the story is once they decided to get rid of this kid, Garcia, 
who was very, very talented, but I think he was like one of these seven-year senior guys who kept getting suspended, coming back. Once they decided to get rid of him, they got rid of the cancer of the bad apple. That's when the program went from good to great. And if you watched them play this year, in particular last weekend, they are a great collegiate football team. You remember Garcia, right? Steven Garcia, was it? Absolutely. The kid was always suspended. He would come back. They would they would play a, like a bad school. He'd throw for four touchdowns, and the next week against a, a good school, he would throw four interceptions. I, I told, and the kid was always in trouble. You know what? You can go have your fun and you know party if you want to. If you're in college, if you're the starting quarterback of the of the team, you shouldn't be burning rope every single day of the week. Okay, that's <laughs> it's just. It's, the Garcia, the Garcia stories is legendary. He was he got busted with weed like I don't know how many times when he was at South Carolina, more than four times, coach. It's called, and sometimes when you have a talented player, it's very difficult for coaches. But it is, uh, it's the right decision to make. It's addition by subtraction, big dog. You get rid of the cancer, and the team will be better. And again, it's hard if a kid is particularly talented to do that. Yeah, that's you're exactly right. If he's a really good player, and you're yeah. like, you know, how, this is a quarterback. I have a lot of time invested in him. Well, you know what? Sometimes it's just better to have 100 people on the same page than having one great player on your team. Mm-hmm. By the way, their best player is David Clowney. It has nothing to do with Stephen Garcia, their quarterback, or Marcus Lattimore. Their best player is their sophomore defensive end. That kid is unbelievable, coach. He would be the number one pick in the NFL this year. It would be the, either him or Sammy Watkins. Both of these kids are going to have to come back for uh, college next year. Whoever is the worst NFL team next season is going to have a choice between the best defensive end to come in uh, college. Uh, I haven't, watched, haven't watched him. Uh, Stephen Downey, sophomore defensive end for the uh, Fighting Gamecock. David Clowney is okay. number seven. All right. And Steve Spurrier is a uh, is a major pain in the ass, no question about it, but the dude can coach. There's also no question about that. I hate Hate to say it, but I must say it. 888-463-6748, the phone number, big dog, and a coach bringing up a little college football from the weekend that was. we got our uh, NFL expert on the line. I want to get to him, but real quick, big dog, uh, two teams i got to mention real quick that aren't getting any notoriety at all. One, locally, Northern Illinois, quietly playing great football. I think they're 5-1, and one, and I didn't realize this, but Duke, Duke football which has been down, down, down for so many years. They're 5-1 and one this year, Big Dog. Wow. They beat, Vir- they beat, in conference. beat Virginia 42-13. Duke football matters, finally. Just thought I'd... 5-1 and one means that you have bowl aspirations, Coach. Yeah. Previous I mean, seasons, they had bowl aspirations, too. Most of them were of the swirling variety, and you heard a flush afterwards. Yeah, this is true. I mean... <laughs> They were just happy to get a win over the Citadel. They'd be one and eleven, and the win was oh, over the Citadel. The, Mid October, Duke Citadel. That's about as big as college football gets in uh, Tobacco Road. The coach would always. Uh, this is a must win, guys. What do you mean <laughs> this is a must win? This is, a this is a must win. We must win this game. Oh goodness, Florida undefeated. They're ranked number three. Notre Dame climbing up the polls. Big deal. You got some solid undefeated teams at the top. Oregon. Uh, they won West Virginia. You watched that game, right? West Virginia knocked off Texas, forty-eight, forty-five. Tell us real quick about that puppy. That was a back and forth game. Geno Smith was really, really good, but 
they actually got 200 yards from their halfback in that game, the the, the Averill kid. He just went off. And uh, West Virginia isn't going to stop too many people this year. They have a bad defense, and they have an offense that scores in like a minute every single time, so they're going to give up a lot of points. But that Texas-West Virginia game went back and forth the whole night, Coach, and that's definitely a, a team that everybody around the country should get a, walk, a look at. Geno Smith can flat-out play. If you were going to have my top five, it would go Alabama one. It would go South Carolina two, Oregon three, Ohio State four, and uh, Notre Dame five. At this I, point. You know what? It's, it's damn close to exactly what I would put. And, and Florida has been really good, and I – Florida to beat LSU. I'm not surprised about that at all, but I would have them at number six. I would, mm-hmm. South Carolina has been well, – we'll find out when they play because they're going to play. Okay, and I don't know if they're playing at the Swamp or they're playing in South Carolina, mm-hmm. but if you look at the games that they played so far, South Carolina has been more impressive than, than Florida. Yep. And Oregon, nobody notices because they just go out there and, oh, like when you go to bed at 10 o'clock at night on yeah. Saturday or you do whatever and you're like, oh, yeah, they're up 14 nothing. And you always realize they come back and they won that game 60-10 to 10 every single week. You know, they just keep going out there mm-hmm. and just destroying program after program every single weekend. And Notre Dame and Ohio State have both been impressive too, no question about it. By the way, Geno Smith, four touchdowns, 268 yards, zero interceptions. He uh, continues to lead in the Heisman race. Let's test the big dog here. Running in second place in the Heisman right now. I've got the name written down right here. Let's see if the dog can nail it. It's Braxton Miller of Ohio State. Mm. Uh, Next guess. You're wrong. You're wrong. You don't even watch college football. (laughs) Braxton Miller. Huh? Yeah, Braxton. You didn't watch him single-handedly beat Nebraska this weekend? Overrated. No, I'm kidding. Braxton Miller has come out of nowhere. He's been phenomenal. And he is – I'd put him at – Third, but who do I got? Who do I got down a second? And he's not from Northwestern. Don't worry. Uh, nationally, uh, the quarterback for Oregon. Oh my God, the freshman from Oregon, the big gigantic Samoan kid. They're undefeated, and he is a quarterback. And he was not known to the nation very much before the season started. Similar to Kane Coulter, he can run it and he can throw it, and his team. Is a surprising unbeaten right now. Golston. You were you you should know because you were on his bandwagon before everybody else. The Golston kid from Notre Dame, Kansas State. Oh, Alan Klein, heck yeah! So no, you're exactly <laughs> right. Him and Braxton Miller would be in the would be fight yep. for two three. Yep. Okay. Uh, Klein Just... from uh, Kansas State. The kid is the right-handed Tim Tebow, and I'm I'm not yep. joking about that. The kid is excellent. He's a good football player. Yeah, Kansas actually uh, scared him a little bit in the first quarter and a half. It was, you know, going back and forth. Maybe Kansas could pull the upset, and then next thing you know, it's like 56-14, to 14, Colin Klein, not only with his legs, but did it with his arm, too. I think uh, mm-hmm. he, if Geno Smith falls apart, one of those two guys might be able to uh, capture the Heisman. All right, Big Dog, uh, are you ready to go out to the phone lines and check in with Pigskin Boy and uh, get a little NFL football talk? I'm ready, Coach. I'm always ready. Come on, bring it on. Beautiful. Out to the lines we go. He is our NFL football expert, particularly our Chicago Bear insider. He's an official FOP. That's a friend of the program, folks. It's Pigskin Boy. Check it in, Pigskin. Uh, ready, ready to roll. I want to, uh, Joel and Coach, I want to remind both of you that college football is the equivalent of the minor league. You want me to hang oh, up on him, Joe, or should I tell yeah, David? Whatever. 
This is also the same guy that last year said that Julius Peppers doesn't really do much for the Bears. Do you remember that? You know what? So. You know what? Both, both of you should should stop talking about the minor leagues. Um, the future of professional football I saw in Indianapolis on Sunday. Andrew Luck. Andrew Luck is the real deal. Um, you know what, Joel? Um, college football is great because one out of one million players in college football perform in the NFL. So it's less than the minor league. Are you just saying this, big Charlie, to uh, get people mad? Or you? I, hopefully, you don't actually believe this. You do realize uh, that your hero Andrew Luck was playing college football a year ago, and me and Joel and the other college football fans were enjoying his talents at that level. Yeah, because I'm not so surprised he's that good because I actually watch college football. That's you not know, really attracting me to Andrew you know, Luck to complete a pass. College football is fine, although you understand that one out of 100,000 college football players can proceed to the next level, which is professional football. That's not true. So you're basically one out of 100,000 minor leagues. One out of 100,000. You're talking about the minor leagues, Joel. Nobody, nobody in college football ever succeeds in professional football except for Andrew Luck of the Indianapolis Colts. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, if you know a good uh, drug rehabilitation program, please call in now to help the pigskin boy. I don't know. I don't know what. uh, Big dog, I don't know where Um, we go with this. Neither do I. Yeah. Let's talk. Um, Let's talk Bears. uh, The Bears were. and Joel, you gotta, you know what? I'm gonna turn the tables. You gotta help me out with this with your producer. The Bears established four long um, records um, as of Sunday. One of the few teams to, <laughs> besides the fact that Tillman and Briggs both returned touchdowns. Uh, which is a record. They also have the record for most touchdowns. They have scored more defensive touchdowns than defensive touchdowns, which goes back to 1964. And Sunday, Coach and Joel were record-breaking year um, performances by the Chicago Bears. Record-breaking performances. <laughs> oh, the, big the, dog. Four touch, the four touchdowns in two weeks is that uh, the four <laughs> defensive touchdowns? Is that well, the record break? Uh, how about those tours in Chinatown? You know what, guys? <laughs> let's, go, let's go back to the Bears' uh, records. Um, uh, Pigskin, I don't, I don't want to go back to the Bears' record from whatever they had. A great game against Jacksonville, big win. You are absolutely correct. The two. Uh, Interception returns back-to-back, absolutely remarkable week-to-week. Defense is playing phenomenal. Pig, at the start of the year, uh, you know, I know we talked to you for a little prognostication. You thought the defense would be okay, but did you have any idea it would be, you know, as dominant one of the top defenses in the NFL? Well, I, I predicted them to be 15-1, and one, so let's go from there. <laughs> Even without Andrew Luck, huh? Um, Brandon Marshall is the first Bear wide receiver to have back-to-back 100-yard games. Yeah. 
Boston a long time. Uh, believe it or not, Matt Forte is one of the few backs in Bear history since Neil Anderson, one of my all-time favorites, to have back-to-back 100-yard games. Actually, similar type running backs. Uh, not not necessarily in style, but they're both not sensational. But they're both really good. They're both consistent, and they, you know, break off. You know, the big runs are fun. But big dog, I love those five, seven, eight yard runs that you do consistently, and that's what Forte has become. Do you remember a couple of years ago, dog, when he would just run into the line and get tackled? Yeah, he would also have like a seventy yard run, and he'd be like, yes. "Okay, yeah." It's 15 um, carries for 80 yards and 75 came on one play. Right. But now, um, you know, now the guy, he stutter steps, he moves, he picks a spot. He he really has significantly improved, in my opinion, as a just a pure runner. And Neil Anderson's a pretty good comparison. That's a compliment because Anderson was a hell of a back. John and Joel, do you remember the Bears Super Bowl run, which they lost, where Mike Brown um, intercepted two Passes against the 49ers. Yep. And the Cleveland Browns. Yep. Yeah, that, that was 05. That was the down. year before. That was 05, the year before the Super Bowl run. That was, no, that was 2001, excuse me. They didn't go to the Super Bowl the year. They lost to the Eagles in the, in the quarterfinals. I'll still it's never forget Mike Brown on that one. Both of you guys think about that. I, I, I remember that Mike Brown interception, uh, Big Dog, was one of the most exciting moments in recent Bear history to win that game, and it was the second week in a row, but I got mad at him. I got mad at him. Do you remember why I got mad at him? I, I have no idea why you got he, mad at him. That was before we started doing radio shows together. He, he picked off the ball, sprinted into the end zone, Bears win, phenomenal moment, and he continued sprinting through the tunnel into the locker room. What's it was like we're – huh? What's wrong with that? Well, it was like as a fan, as a spectator, the players were all waiting to celebrate. I mean, it was a phenomenal moment. Outstanding. I mean, what are they, if I can think back of top ten most psych-up moments in recent Bears history, that was one of the ones I was most excited. I can't even go back to all the reasons. It was phenomenal. And he just sprints into the locker room, all the players looking around like the guy who scored. You know, they celebrated, but it took a chunk out of the celebration. I'll never forgive him for that. But uh, at any rate, Pigskin, big win by the Bears, first place. A uh, couple of weeks off, then they got what? Monday nighter against Detroit, right? Uh, Monday night against Detroit. Woo! Uh, let, me ask, let me ask both of you guys right Detroit. now. Uh, Detroit on Monday night. Let me ask you guys both this right now. Um, is, uh, you know, my favorite coach, we talked about this, is Charles Tillman the best uh, defensive back the Bears have ever had? Big Doug? That's, that, that's tough. We, we talked about this, how great he's been, and he's not the greatest cover maker, cover corner ever in the history of the Bears. He gives up a few too many completions, but, oh, my goodness, does he make plays. If someone told me yeah, there's going to be a completion in front of Tillman right now, I don't get mad because I know one thing. There's about a 10% chance he's going to pop the ball out of the guy's arms after he catches it and it's a turnover for the hey, Bears. Hey, big dog, uh, he's the best the corner. He's, he's the best hey, corner dog, ever of all time. The to have him replace or, or, or whatever. I thought you asked me a question. Dog, is he the best cornerback the Bears have ever had? The best corner, yes, because I'd have to say Fenton can play or consider better DBs than him, but he's the best corner. Les- Leslie Frazier was well on his way, but he got injured. My L.A. Mike Richardson, no. Nathan Rasher, 
you could go back pigskin to to our day when you got Roosevelt Taylor and um, Benny McRae and those guys. But but I'll answer your question. Say he probably is. He probably is. Is Mike? Uh, is Lance Briggs, Brian Urlacher, and Tina Tillman eligible for the Hall of Fame? No. They will all be in the Hall of Fame. No. They win a Super what? Bowl. If the Bears win a Super Bowl, why do you have to scream in this? If the Bears win a Super Bowl, Lance Briggs, Brian Urlacher, and Tina Tillman should be in the Hall of Fame, considering that Lance Briggs and Brian Urlacher will have been to 10 Pro Bowls. Tillman, Tillman, he's a good defensive back. He's not going to be in the Hall of Fame. Lance Briggs, he's 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 getting there. He is the fact that he's elevated his game the last couple of years, not just at the point where most linebackers who've had good careers start to slip off. The last two years, he's gotten better and near dominant. So I'll buy Briggs. The the the, the scream and the holler was for Charles Tillman. I love Tillman, but he's not going to the Hall of Fame. You're probably right. He probably isn't, but you're talking about a guy that has forced more fumbles than any defensive back in the history of the NFL. It's true. He's he's the best I've ever seen at that. All right. Well, Pigskin Boy, we appreciate the call, my friend. Um, you know, uh, they got the uh, Lions in two weeks. Um, they're playing really well, but one of the things that that you guys need to uh, realize is. In a couple of weeks, they have the 49ers, <laughs> Texans, Vikings on the road, wow. which will be the three of the four game. Who you know? Who are we? You know how good are the Bears? Um, in a couple of weeks. Wow. Yeah, no, it's November that uh, we find out how good the Bears are. Seriously, the the month of November. I... I did not realize it. Again, we appreciate the call from Pigskin Boy. You want to check in? Phone lines open, 888-463-6748. Has he got that right, Big Dog, that uh, Houston? Yeah, we, we play the AFC South. So we've already played the Colts and the Jaguars. Cat wins against them, which is cool because the Vikings have already lost to the Colts and so have the Packers, which is cool. But it's, Everybody's going to beat the Jaguars. That's not going to be an issue. But Houston, Frisco, Minnesota, back-to-back-to-back? I'm not sure exactly if that's okay. it, but I do know this. They go to Minnesota on a, a Monday night, and the Houston game is re- is really close to that. It's either the week after or the week before. Uh-huh. The Bears have a bunch of tough games right in a row, a bunch of tough games in a row. Interesting. All right, so it's nice that we're building up a little collateral with the 4-1 record, and we might need it. All right, that's uh, good. Yeah, we're going to need it. Yeah. That's good for for a good team. What, kill, what, uh, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. By the way, speaking of what doesn't kill you, I don't know about you, but that phone call with the pigskin boy was like having a tooth pulled out slowly, Big Doug, without Novocaine. And I love the pigskin boy. You know that. Yeah, I don't know what his problem was with uh, college football today. Wow. One out of every 100,000 players yeah, makes that's, it when that's... there's 100 players on the Illinois roster. Yep. Illinois is bad, and they'll have at least five players yeah. in the NFL on that roster. Pigskin going to the Mitt Romney School of Arithmetic, I think. Oh, well, uh, goodness. Yeah, the, well, uh, he, since it's the Obama schools that are teaching everybody, that's probably why. Woo! Wow. Nice fireback. Nice comeback. By the way, the vice presidential debate coming up Thursday. And are you aware, Big Dog, that uh, in a closely contested battle, good friend of the program, occasional listener and contributor, Hugo Chavez, the president of Venezuela, 
uh-huh. did win re-election in the tightest race yet, but Hugo's got four more years. Uh, that's one of the biggest tyrants and SOBs on the history of the planet, yeah. that guy right there. Speaking of tyrants and SOBs, that was informed by David Olson this morning, Jerry Sandusky, still claiming innocence, by the way, was uh, sentenced to 30 to 60 years, big dog. And if you're still claiming innocence, that means you're never going to be good when you get out. They make sure that he should die in prison. Well, I think 30 to 60 at Sandusky's age, I think that's pretty much what they did. Uh, I think he's going to be killed in prison, to be honest with you. They better have security for him. That's all I can say, because you can be sure there'll be a couple of inmates coming after him. They better keep a close eye on Jerry Sandusky, otherwise uh, it could get... It's like you and your bar days. You know, the goo theory, G-U-E, go ugly early. It could get ugly yeah. early. When I don't go ugly early, I never had to do that. I went hot late. Uh, now, <laughs> the thing he has to worry most about is uh, former Miami University of Miami football players that he put a stranglehold on in the in the 19, January 1987 Fiesta Bowl. Because all those guys that are still in jail, they're really going to take it out on Jerry Sandusky. <laughs> What did he do to the uh, Miami players? He he held Miami to ten points that day. They ah, okay. Penn State won the national championship yep. fourteen to ten. You hate to say it, folks. Coordinator's the job ever. You know all the players that are in jail from that team. They're going to take it out on Sandusky. The uh, what do they call it? The when Notre Dame would play in Miami, it was the van- I I've been, I streamed it all weekend. I was streaming it all weekend. Every time I uh, I would see like a group of like extremely well dressed. Uh, like Notre Dame fans, and it'd be some one of their thug friends with the U jersey on. <laughs> and I would just yell, Catholics versus Convicts! There you go. And they were all over the city of Chicago this weekend yeah. as, uh, as Notre Dame was putting a foot in Miami's butt. Oh, man. 41-3, uh, to three, the so final score there. It, it was hilarious to watch these people, like, tailgating. Like, and I'd be like, how many of you guys? Uh, we all went to Notre Dame. You didn't go to, oh, I didn't go to Miami. I just, I just. I'm just a thug, is basically what it would be. <laughs> nope, this just cracked me up to people. It was Notre Dame alum, alumni and a bunch of people that just picked a good football team at the root four in college, is basically what the groups of people were this weekend. Yeah, well, this particular weekend, they had, they picked the thug or not, they picked the wrong team to root for. Miami just got absolutely brutalized. And, you know, it's politically incorrect to say, and people don't want to hear it, but Jerry Sandusky, he was a hell of a football coach. Oh, he was a phenomenal coach. Hell of a coach. Not, there, there's reasons why people didn't believe the ugliness yep. around him because he was, there was such an aura of greatness yep. around the guy, yeah. too. So. And not just his X's and O's. I mean, he was an absolute father figure and mentor to a lot of the great linebackers that have played in uh, the National Football League. So I know people he was, don't want he was to hear able that. To really, he was able to really reach out to a bunch of his players. Yeah, unfortunately, he reached out too much, but... At any rate, all right, uh, a couple of quick news and notes, titillating tidbits in the NFL, Big Doug, real quick, and we can get back to college football, unless you want to talk more about the stunning victory by Hugo Chavez. Uh, no, let's look, come on, talk about ballot boxes being stuffed. Oh, Chavez won a, an election in his own country, what a surprise. It was like the year that uh, Saddam Hussein uh, garnered 100% of the votes from the Iraqi <laughs> people. <laughs> Uh, elections in countries with leaders like that, yeah. they, a little fishy. Coach, this, a little yeah, fishy. it is. I agree. This one was close, though. The guy who he's running against, very charismatic. Young, energetic guy, almost pulled off the victory, and we'll probably never hear from that guy again. Yeah, uh, he'll be dead. I mean, that's, 
running against Hugo Chavez. It's like getting in a fight with Mike Tyson. Not, yep. gonna, not a good idea. Yep, yep. Uh, five alive here in the NFL, little titillating tidbit. None of these are major. Just throw them out at you real quick. Uh, one, Cedric Benson, running back for the Green Bay Packers, out, injured foot for eight weeks, big dog, a shot to the uh, Green Bay running game for whatever it's worth. Yeah, Green Bay, you know, during the first half against the Colts looked good. They were running the ball a lot, even running on first down, putting double tight ends in there every once in a while. Cedric Benson gets hurt, and the Colts come back from an 18-point deficit because mm-hmm. they have no running game. Yep. That, that has a little to do with it. Atlas Green takes his place. Yep. Uh, number two, also on the injury list, Chicago Bear wide receiver. Our worst fears uh, were realized, and in fact, it was a fractured hand. All Sean Jeffrey, our number two wide receiver, going to be out probably three to six weeks, big dog. You got Earl Bennett coming back, so it's not disaster, but we do lose, and you were hoping that Jeffrey would develop. And by come playoff time, you know, ready to go, this is going to hurt his improvement as a rookie also. Yeah, definitely. It's going to hurt his improvement. Now, worst fears realized, losing Alshon Jeffrey of the 22 starters, that would be the first one I would say you can take him off yeah, the Yeah, you know, when I when I was saying that, uh, worst fears in the box. In terms of we didn't know what was wrong with his hand. Yes, exactly. Yeah, we, we weren't sure what was wrong with <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> there were certainly worse things that could have gone wrong with the Chicago Bears. You're right about that. Uh, number three, also in the injury front. This one was a little freaky. Danny Amendola, the great uh, wide receiver for the St. Louis Ram. Lily was the one who told me about this. Explain what happened. It was life-threatening, I heard. Well, it was, you know, shoulder separation where the clavicle gets displaced. That's not uncommon for NFL players, but apparently nobody at the time realized it except for the trainers. Fans, announcers, teammates did not. The clavicle actually got displaced in a unique position where it almost I mean, it was like an inch or two away from penetrating the larynx or the throat, and it could have killed him. Wow. And the doctors actually on the field, they uh, put him to sleep. They had to give him something to knock him out temporarily wow. so he would not move and further injure himself. So uh, he's going to be okay, but that, that could have been a little testy. Wow. that's You don't want anybody dying playing no. the sport. That would have been ugly, no. especially a guy like Danny Amendola. Great kid. Like, loved. Yep. Yeah. Wow. Great kid. By the way, um, we don't want to jump to the gum, but it appears by all accounts that uh, Alex Karras, great defensive lineman turned television and movie actor, age of 77, kidney failure, big dog, and it appears um, death may be imminent for everybody's favorite friend, Alex Karras. Oh, that's, that's too bad, Alex Karras was uh, he's a pretty decent uh, NFL lineman, from what I understand. Yeah, real so, good. Yeah, so uh, yep. but he'll always be remembered as Webster's dad from now on, won't he? I still like him in Blazing Saddles. What was what was his name in Blazing Saddles? Mongo. Sa- Mongo. That Blazing Saddles could quite possibly be the funniest movie ever made. Seriously. there's It's, it's in the top ten when they did the ranking of the the funniest movies of all time. Some like it hot with Marilyn Monroe and Tony mm-hmm. Curtis was number one. I didn't believe it. I watched the movie, and then I can totally tell why someone would rank it number one. Blazing Saddles, though, in that same list was like number three or four. That I, I cannot stand politically correctness. I cannot stand it. It, it disgusts me. And that movie is as far from it as possible. Blazing Saddles is Mel Brooks' best movie. And Mongo was great in that movie, Coach. 
Remember Mongo in the uh, at the end of the movie? I forget what the reason was, but they were interviewing criminals to join their team because they had a, a battle coming up. So yeah, they, were, they were looking for Gene Wilder, and they were looking for uh, Cle- uh, whatever. Cleveland Little? Cleveland, they were looking yeah. for him, yeah. yeah. Okay, so Mongo's at the back of the line, and all these guys are stepping up, giving their credentials, you know, uh, and then they come to Mongo, all right, all right, you know, what What are you in for? I've done rape, burglary, assault, armed robbery, rape. And the guy goes, you said rape twice. Mongo goes, I like rape. That wasn't Mongo? It wasn't Mongo. Oh. It, was just some, it was just some random criminal. All right. That that was a classic, though. And it was it was, <laughs> it was done so subtle. How many subtle. kills? <laughs> <laughs> you, said, you said rape twice. I like, I like rape. rape. <laughs> Are you chewing gum? No. It was, uh, did you bring enough for everybody in the whole line? <laughs> Uh, I didn't know there'd be so many, and they shoot him. <laughs> I need to go back and watch that movie. Anyhow, very sad. And he was, dog. I don't know if you – you were probably a little young to watch him play. He played with Roger Brown, who was one of the very first 300-pound defensive linemen. But he and Roger Brown on the D-line for the Detroit Lions were maniacal, excellent players. Yeah, that's when the Lions used to win football games. Woo! Wow. And finally – we were talking about the Buffalo Bills defensive coordinator. The Bills have given up like 1,200 yards in the last two games, absolutely yeah. getting shellacked. I didn't realize it until I read the paper this morning. Do you know who the D coordinator for the Bill is? Uh, uh, there was an African-American guy that was there last year, but he got fired. Who is it this year? Coach Wani. It's Wanstead. Dave Wanstead. <laughs> no way, Coach. I would not have gotten that. He's back in the NFL. Oh, I totally forgot. Yeah. And oh, actually, as, as ineffective as a head coach he was, Big Dog, he's always been a, a good defensive coordinator. Uh, a bad but don't break. We, you just bent for 1,200 yards. <laughs> That's a lot of bending. Got, turnovers. got a lot of turnovers. Yeah. That's a lot of bending. All right. So we had to get those little news and notes out of the way. A lot of them injury-related. Uh, 888-463-6748, the phone number. Yes, David. I got one that got kind of buried in the uh, football news and notes and everything like that. Uh, 2013 Rock and Roll Hall of Fame nominees came out on Friday. Ah, I did not hear uh, that. Oh, how many people are going to be upset about this? Um, this, this, this got me really upset last year, if you remember. I do remember. Yeah, it's. I think there there are clearly two or three that are going to go in. The rest of them are just kind of like, eh. Wait, so the nominations or the these actual... are, These are the nominees. These are oh. the people... I, I, I'm not sure how many exactly. Okay. You have to get a certain amount. They usually pick the like votes. four out of the list. Yeah, maybe. yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to, you know, just like the baseball hall of fame. Who, you have who to... are some of them? And me or Big Dog will uh, analyze if they should be in or not. Well, here's the first one on the list, and I've never even heard of these guys. Uh, the Paul Butterfield Blues Band. <clears throat> never, n- never heard of them. Over here, Okay, uh, Chic. <clears throat> No way. Get him out of here. You know, Lee Free, uh, Lay Free, Good Times, those guys from the yeah. 70s. Deep Purple. Ooh. Yes. Deep Purple was in, says the dog. Just for, just for smoke on the water. I mean, they write a song about pulling bongs. That's pretty cool. <laughs> uh, Heart. Yeah. And Heart isn't in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. No, they've been, they've been nominated a few times, and they haven't made it yet. Yeah. 
That's a, of all the bands that have made it, how could they be nominated and not make it, Coach? I got them on the outside looking in, Big Doug. Uh, uh, Joan Jett and the Blackhearts <laughs> return nominees. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, no. They're, they're, no. Uh, Albert King. No comment. That's, he's that's he's a guitar pioneer. Though. He's a given. He is going in. Albert King. Okay. Okay. Albert King, yeah. yeah. He, I mean, he, he's, he was like one of the original great guitarists. He inspired Eric Clapton, yeah. Joe Walsh, oh, okay. Jimi yeah, Hendrix. He's, going in there. he's what, yeah. that great. Why isn't he in already? Never nominated before. Okay. Craftwork. Who? Craftwork. Eh. They're pioneers in electronica. Oh, okay. Then definitely no. <laughs> the electronic music is the worst. <laughs> the Marvelettes. Please, Mr. Postman. Love that song. I thought that was Mr. Carpenters. Postman. No, it, oh yeah, wait a minute, Mr. Postman. I know the song. Yeah. I just thought that was the car, a classic song, but that's still not enough. One song alone does not get you in. Get him out of here. Uh, the meters. Is it again another one-hit wonder? I've never. They're they're uh, and uh, called an iconic New Orleans funk ensemble. Oh, I like that already. That sounds better than what I was picturing them as. Randy Newman, small people, Randy short Newman. people. Yes, yeah, he probably should. I love he L.A. because he's written so many great songs. Right? He, he's he, he, he's iffy in my opinion. I got him in. Short people got no reason, Big Dog. N.W.A. Are you serious? N.W.A. N.W.A. Yeah. Is in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. They're, they're, nominated. No, they're nominated. nominated. They're nominated along with Public Enemy. Well, Public Enemy deserves it more than NWA. Let's let's face that. I know. I, I, I agree one hundred percent. Chuck D is just that. I mean, just one of the most phenomenal voices. And uh, like NWA, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, well, yeah, it's, it was. A, it's a whole East Coast West Coast thing. And you know, it's like it's. I listen to a lot of Public Enemy when I work out. And I mean, it, Chuck D's a poet. He really is. I mean, his yes, lyrics yes. are amazing. And they were, I mean, they were really, really controversial back in the day. But you kind of listen to it now, it's like, eh, I don't see what the big deal was. All right, so they could be on the uh, on the fence, on the bubble. No, no, I, one, one of them, again. one of them is going to make it in. Both of them will not. One of them will. I, I, I'll give the edge to Public Enemy. But then you've also got the NWA factor with Ice Cube and Dr. Dre, who are both still around. Okay. So there's a toss-up. Okay, uh, moving on. Uh, Pro Call Harem. Don't know that. A wh- whiter Shade of Pale. Oh, that's a great song. That is one of the greatest songs of all time, that song. <laughs> Seriously, I don't know if they deserve it off of one song but that song is so good that stuff that song belongs in the rock and roll hall of fame i have never heard that song okay. yes you have you've heard it a million times coach wider shade of pale you've definitely heard it's it. a it's a classic rock staple okay. it's a classic I will, rock staple. i will youtube it and see if i've heard it uh final two uh donna summer return nominee she'll probably get in because yes. she passed away yep Wow, I mean, you would think that in the summer's already in considering the names that we're, we've talked about yeah she definitely belongs in i guess 
And first-time nominee, and I think the uh, another shoe-in on this list, Rush finally gets nominated. But they are not in already. They've, they've never been even nominated until this year. That's a freaking joke. <laughs> well, the Rock, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, uh, the, and the guy's name escapes me, but the guy that founded the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame has always had a chip on his shoulder against progressive rock of the 70s. That's why bands like, you know, the, the, the Steve Miller Band, yes, Electric Light Orchestra, they don't even get a sniff. Are you, Be- because mean, he doesn't like the them. The bands that you said, why not those bands of the 70s? Rush the, 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 guy, the guys, he like has a tendency to weight things, you know, towards the pioneers. Like, like look at the Marvelettes getting nominated this year. You know, it's like he has a tendency to weight things that way. Yeah, but they have, I mean, like, how could some of these bands that are already in, and Rush hasn't even been nominated, that makes zero sense. They've made 30 albums, they're one of the most popular bands ever, and they're incredible. They actually write music that makes you think a little bit instead of, uh, When are the uh, nominations going to be announced? Uh, I believe they're going to be announced in November, okay. and then the ceremony will be in February. We'll make sure Big Dog has a nice, easy day before it. Because last year, when we went from nominees to inductees, uh, you were you were very uh, upset as Pavortis, Big Dog. I, I think the, it was just like the the Beastie Boys were the only group that I actually agreed with that actually got in last year. Yep, I wasn't happy. Yep, I'm still waiting for the Archies to get their uh, much deserved nomination, but that has not happened yet. Hey, real quick, dog, before the uh, show comes to conclusion here, another award-winning version. The two guys in a mic show, uh, you look back at the highlights of today's show, Big Dog, you got the call from Pigskin. That's really about it, quite frankly. <laughs> All we'll right. to do better. Thank you. <laughs> oh, goodness. I'm, I'm going to send that five minutes out in our resume tape and see if we get any callbacks on that one. Uh, baseball, real quick, Big Dog. Let's go down the series of St. Louis. Uh, after losing a tight one the day before, they come back and hammer the Washington Nationals 12 to four. It's even at one one, two games in St. Louis. Now they got three in Washington. How do you see this one playing out? Uh, Washington will will win that series. And if you think about it right now, the Washington, it's either Washington or the Reds is the best team in the National League. And you know, I guess we're going to find that out when they play in the next series. But it, the Washington Nationals are set up to be a dynasty, coach. Their best player is Steven Strasburg, and he's not even participating in this series. Yep. Bryce Harper is incredible. The fact that they had a trade for Kurt Suzuki because their their catcher got hurt at the beginning of the year and they still are in this position, I mean, the, 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 the Nationals are really, really good. And uh, I can't just get the Reds finish off the Giants, Nationals finish off the Cardinals. Of course, it would be a little bit easier for the Reds to do it than the Nationals as the Reds are up. Oh, two going back to Cincinnati. <laughs> but that's going to be one hell of a series, Coach. The Reds versus the Nationals, that's going to be awfully good. So. Mm-hmm. Cincinnati may be the hottest team right now, playing extremely well. Dusty Baker back on the bench, and you're right. They won two games, not only won two, but they did them in San Francisco. So according to you, a no comeback. The Giants are dead in the water. I tend to agree. Yeah, they, yeah, they are. They are. Okay. All right, everybody's sentimental favorite, the Baltimore Orioles. They – uh Lost game one, pretty pretty well played game, and then they came back yesterday and defeated the Yankees, big dog, three to two. 
So we can now go to New York for three games. Uh, Orioles are hanging, and really they've been hanging all season long. They've proved they can compete with the Yankees. And the, and the story for me was uh, Jim Johnson. Now, this is the guy who had a breakout year. You know, I've talked about how, you know, Mike Trout and Miguel Cabrera are the MVP, but Jim Johnson's number third in my list, number three. Uh, and uh, he was the closer for the Orioles, had the best season in Orioles history as a closer. And in game one, he goes to the mound in a tie, tie, in a tie game and he gives up five runs and gets one out. And you're like, oh, no, the the one thing that the Orioles had over the Yankees was the, the closer, and he gets shelled. Well, he pitched yesterday, and he pitched a one, two, three innings. So, obviously, the psychological factor of having a 108 ERA didn't really mess with him going to the mound. Mm-hmm. Six. That's not good, by the way, Coach, 108 as your ERA. That's not effective. Not exactly what you want, but uh, the, the fact that he came back yesterday is significant, I think. And, um, you know, hey, hey. If they so can the win one of the next two. They have to win two out of three at Yankee Stadium. But I think if they can win one of the next two in game five, I think the Yankees could feel a little pressure. Advantage maybe Oriole, but they got to win uh, you know, one of those games to force it to a game five. It'll be fascinating to watch. Uh, now, we mentioned San Francisco down 2-0. The Oakland A's are also down 2-0, but I get the feeling... That it's not over there yet, Big Dog. I still think there's a chance we could see some life and maybe even a three-game sweep by the Oreo, uh, by the o- yeah, Oakland A. But just for some fact, one team is going on the road to try to win three games, and the other team is going home to try to win three games. And uh, but here's the here's the one thing, and I'm going to have to agree with you, but there's there's two words that you didn't think of when and those words are Justin Verlander. Yep. What will he pitch that's, game? That's the one thing you're like, oh no, yes. We can, we, we can, all we got to do is win a couple games, but my goodness, to beat Verlander is going to be crazy. But the A's have the pitching staff to match up in the other two games. So, and who knows? You go out there, you got to play them, but uh, I'm definitely rooting for the A's to win at least game three to make it kind of a series out there. Mm-hmm. Verlander would be game five, correct? Well, I don't know how the Tigers have set that up. If the Tigers are smart, that's how they should do it. Be like, hey, you're going to pitch game five for us. So, just in case it gets to them. Then you have him for game five, and in case you don't need him, well, all of a sudden he's pitching game one yeah. well-rested for you in the AL yeah. Championship Series, and he can maybe pitch three of those games. Yeah, and which, you know what? Be... Having him as a game five pitcher actually helps you win game three or game four because you've got that comfort factor mm-hmm. behind you knowing, you know, yes, there's pressure, but you got Verlander in game five. It takes that edge off a little bit, so... Psychologically, I think it even makes it a little bit easier to win a game three or four. I, I totally agree. I totally agree. that all of a sudden, Verlander, Verlander's pitching game four. You're like, well, we better win this game because yes. this is the Verlander game. Yep. yep. Agree. Exactly right. All right, 888-463-6748. You want to talk a little baseball, big dog, and a coach playoff baseball. It is October, and that uh, tends to happen every October. And games have been pretty good so far. Looking forward to a solid baseball playoff. And uh, Sometimes I struggle big dog to watch a game one or a game two, I have to admit, but uh but when it gets down to an elimination game or a big game, if you get a chance if you've got the time just to sit down for like three hours, and I know baseball's got a completely different pace, but boy, it can be pretty good stuff. A really tension packed elimination baseball game where every pitch matters. It's good stuff. Uh you're not telling me anything I don't already feel, coach. I've been listening to the games on the radio. Okay, so that'll tell you how much the Cubs aren't even involved. And I'm watching football with the game on the radio in the background. 
you know, it's funny. I'm, I'm telling Lily is like, uh, like she's like, well, you're not really watching the game yesterday when we were in the kitchen. I'm like, I can tell by the announcer's voice yeah. when to look up. It's just weird. So I could be watching football for seven hours and have a radio on in the background, and all of a sudden I know when to pick the radio up. Well, what's going on? And like, oh, there's a drive, and let's see. You know, mm-hmm. so it's just something about you know when you need to be watching when you're when you're uh, baseball on the radio. Quite frankly, you don't lose that much. No, you don't. Especially, yeah. you know, we're we're blessed to have Pat Hughes as Cup fans coach because nobody paints a picture like Pat Hughes. He's the best. Mm-hmm. But everybody, there's so many good play-by-play announcers in, in baseball that it's, you get a nice picture no matter what. Yep. All right. We will see. We'll uh, have some more baseball report. Got a couple of games today, a couple coming up tomorrow, and uh, – we will cover, of course, here in the Two Guys in a Mike show. We'll start previewing some of the football games coming up over the weekend. All right, dog, phenomenal job, and um, hopefully the weather will desist and you'll be out on the river today. Uh, I doubt it. I'm sometimes I have a really hard work not to get into, so that's about it. All right, you can always walk over to the Hop House and have another ostrich burger. That sounds good to me, Coach. <laughs> All right, we'll do it again tomorrow, folks. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget our shows are archived if you want to catch the pigskin uh interview you can go back and uh, replay that five minutes that you might have lost earlier in your life (laughs) have a great day see you tomorrow at 10 don't be late